Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome once again to Matt and Brett Love Comics, the show where we normally take comics and talk comics with comics. Yeah. Uh, this is one of your hosts, Matt. This is your other host, Brett. And uh, like I said, we normally have comedians on the show, but this week I am incredibly jazzed. Uh, we have a very special guest. Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm so thrilled. Uh, joining us today on the podcast is uh, a professional wrestler, the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels. Christopher, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, and I've been called by many people a comedian as well, so you're not too far out of your wheelhouse with me here today. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> you are currently... Uh, weekly on Spike TV's TNA Impact as one half of uh, the former World Tag Team Champions of the World, Bad Influence. Indeed, indeed. That is all correct. Uh, and, and also, I might add, one of the most entertaining acts in professional wrestling right now. I couldn't argue with you there. You're uh, seldom wrong and right again. Ah, that's a... Uh, <laughs> hold on, i got to take a couple minutes to uh, pat my own back like Barry Horowitz here. Don't uh, hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. Uh, I separated my shoulders right now. Oh, oh, goodness. So, be careful. Yeah, uh, no, I, uh, uh, I, gotta, I have a sling. I have a sling for when I do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Trying to pat myself on the back a lot. Um, safety first. It's always safety first. Professional wrestler knows best. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so right now you are, uh, you are one half of a tag team called Bad Influence uh, with Frankie Kazarian. And, uh, like I said, you guys are really fun and really entertaining, uh, week in and week out. And it, it seems like a really, uh, a fresh approach to a tag team. And it seems like you, you, it feels like you have a lot of your own personality, uh, coming to the forefront whenever, uh, you guys are in the ring talking or, or backstage delivering a promo. Is, is that true? Absolutely, man. I, I, the thing with Frankie and I is on television is basically just the way we are behind the scenes we're both real snarky we're both smart asses and uh, when we get these opportunities especially on the microphone uh we're always looking for ways to sort of get a subtle jab in or or, or get a, a little bit of a laugh or just just to catch people off guard i mean so much of professional wrestling can be uh same old same old especially uh you know face to face with your opponents I'm going to get you, brother, that sort of nonsense. So we're, we're just trying to go out there and have fun and be entertaining. And, and me specifically, I'm always looking for at least one word or phrase or, you know, gesture, just something so that I know that people are watching, something to catch people off guard. And to, even if they chuckle to themselves or get furious with themselves or just want to see me get my ass handed to me, any of the above, uh, you know, any, any, like they say, any press is good press. So I, we're both always out there just trying to have fun and, and, and make an impact, uh, pun intended. Pun intended. <laughs> just, trying, just trying to get a rise out of people. And, and uh, you know, so far, so good as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you do one of the uh, one of my favorite things to do. And I, I don't – I love it so much. Like you did this uh, last week on Impact when you came out uh, to talk to Jeff Hardy and Bully Ray and uh, you – just extended each of their names. Like you called them Bully Raymond and Jeffrey or Jefferson, Jefferson, Jefferson Hardy. I love that. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's part of my little shtick. I'm always trying to get guys' names wrong or add to it just to be annoying <laughs> and assbaggish, and uh, that's that's worked pretty well so far. That, that's uh, I, I called I called uh, I, I had a feud with Bob Van Dam for a long time, and I don't think he understood yeah. why I kept calling him Bob Van Dam. <laughs> he was a bit confused by that, but uh, you know. 
Well, that's, uh, I, I mean, for Bob Van Dam too, uh, a little bit of confusion. We'll, we'll let that slide. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah it, you, uh, you also on the show too, you're pretty well known for, uh, coming out wearing comic book t-shirts. Yeah. I, um, you know, I always try to stand out from the crowd, from the other wrestlers. And for a long time I, I dressed up like, you know, a lot of guys wore t-shirts and jeans, their own fashion. I tried to dress up and, um, you know, that's sort of a staple for a certain appeal as well. And uh, there were a couple of guys that were doing that same sort of thing with jackets and vests and button-up shirts. So finally I decided, you know, to show a little bit of my actual personality uh, and my love for Marvel Comics. I was going to start wearing Marvel shirts, uh, you know, when I could get away with it. And <laughs> at this point now, I'm just, I, uh, it's become sort of my thing now. So now I'm I'm sort of stuck. I'm running out of Marvel T-shirts to wear on television. So if anybody has any, please send them to me. Uh, care of this podcast. Care of this podcast. If we don't take them first, right? Yes, right. That's something we, we all send three feet so these guys can have some. <laughs> yeah. Hard work. We all three have that in common. We all three yes. wear way too many Marvel Comics T-shirts. Yeah, I do that. What is a uh, what, what's your favorite uh, what's your favorite Marvel shirt you own? Um, I've got a I've got a, a, a T-shirt that is the cover of the second issue of the original Wolverine miniseries by Frank Miller, yeah. which is, I've never seen anywhere else, and I love that shirt. And I've I, I've only worn it once on television. And I was wearing a jacket, so I don't think it had the the uh, the impact again upon I don't <laughs> like think it. the impact that I wanted it to have. So I'm going to wear that again. But I, I'm always looking for uh, you know like. Ever since I decided to start doing this, I've, you know, I'm on the hunt for them. And because of the success of the movies in the last couple of years, everything sort of caters to the non-fan. Like the, hey guys, did you just hear about this Avengers movie? Well, here's, uh, you know, Nick Fury as played by Sam Jackson shirt. Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking beyond that. Like I've got a shirt, um, I've got one good shirt that is the copy of... Uh, the X-Men, and it, the number escapes me, but it's the one where the faces of the X-Men are all around the uh, the image of Professor X uh, taking a bump out of his chair, and it's the death of Professor oh, X. Oh, yeah, it's like, it's shirt. Yeah, it's like, like I mean, 60-something, or like in yeah, the 50s, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 That's, uh, no, that's a great shirt. That's a fan shirt. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And yep. I once wore that in front of Jim Cornette uh, <laughs> at, a Ring of Honor, at a Ring of Honor show, and he, he walked up to me, and he went, X-Men number... 46, or whatever yeah. it was, like, right off the top of his head. No! Jim Cornette uh, was a collector back in the day, had a very strong um, comic collection, you know, dating back to, like, the early Spider-Man, uh, a lot of the Steve Ditko stuff, a lot of Kirby, Fantastic Four. Uh, he had a pretty strong collection. I don't know if he still does. Uh, I think he said once his mother passed away, he had, he had boxed a lot of stuff up and... and, and uh, I don't know if he said he got rid of it or if he was looking to sell it or whatever, but he he uh, he had a strong uh, a strong grasp of the comic scene. Oh man, that's I never knew that about uh, Jim Cornette. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, you should get him on the podcast just for the, the sheer comedy of of uh, hearing him talk comics with you guys. <laughs> oh Lord, yeah, that guy. Uh, I could I could listen to him read a phone book. Okay, he's outstanding. <laughs> outstanding. Um, so as as a uh, as a comic book fan. As well as a professional wrestler, uh, you know I, I am a big fan of you as a wrestler, and you're a guy who has uh, a pretty incredible control over what you do with your own body in the ring. 
Um, and it's always really exciting to see. So I guess my question is, as a comics fan, do you ever sort of see something happen, like a like a pose or a move in a comic, and think like, "Oh God, I want to try that." <laughs> no, that never. That, honestly, that never has happened. Um, you know, I, I don't consider myself like a big risk taker or a, a wacky high flyer like like a lot of guys in my industry. Sure, I, I've sort of been a jack of all trades. Like I can do a little bit of flying. I can do a little bit of brawling. I can do a little bit of everything. Um, so I never, I never really looked at like a picture of Nightcrawler doing something and went, "Oh, I can do that from the top rope." <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this: like one thing that I think comics sort of uh, brought uh, or helped me in terms of professional wrestling was a, was a characterization, like a mentality, oh, especially yeah. in terms of uh, like a good villain. Like yeah. a lot of a lot of professional wrestling, you know, it, sometimes it can cater to the lowest common denominator. Because, you know, it just, you know, just by definition, you know what I mean? It's sort of, uh, now I'm going to talk myself right into a hole. Uh, it, you know, it, it's sort of like, I think uh, it's, it's sometimes considered a lowbrow form of entertainment. And so it sort of plays to lowbrow sometimes. It's its own worst enemy. Oh, yeah, so, definitely. Like, one of the things that I've learned from comics was that the best villains to me weren't the villains that were villains... For the sake of villainy, it was the guys that were that thought they were right. Like I always yes. use Magneto as a, as a as an example yeah. of a guy who's a bad guy, but only to the people that think he's wrong. Does that make sense? Like oh, I, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of the guys that have their rationalization, and um, you know they think they're in the right, and and everyone else has got it wrong, and that to me makes a strong character. Yeah. So that that sort of like when I when I go into uh, you know interviews or or storylines or things like that, I, that's how I sort of look at my stuff. Like how would I, how would I approach this if I was the guy that was in the in the right as opposed to the good guy? Yeah, because the thing is too when you when you play a villain and a villain believes that he's right, you're you're, you're playing it from a place of passion instead of just almost uh, comic hatred. And, and I feel like as, as people, it's easier to kind of access what you love or what you're passionate about than, uh, you know, trying to just create a list of, of hate words. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, and to me, too, it just it just plays a little bit better. Like, yeah. uh, you know, guys that are just sort of snidely whiplash that, you know, twirl their mustache and tie the chick to the train tracks... Yep. Uh, you know that 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 sort of plays out quickly, and I mean you can you can get a lot of legs and a lot of uh, a lot of time out of a guy who uh, you know believes he should be world champion and believes that he should win every match and believes that uh, you know the the general manager and the boss of the company and everybody should be putting him on television more than everyone else because he's way more entertaining things like that. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, so, um, are you, uh, let's talk a little bit about your comic background. So, okay. like, like we've mentioned, you're a, you're a big Marvel fan. When did you start reading? Oh, man, I, before I was 10 years old, like, I know that I had books, um, I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't, like, following any books at, at any point at that, or at that time. I was just buying comic books and, and, you know, keeping them in a box under my bed. And not a comic box, like a, I don't know, a shoe box or something. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, I, and I know for a fact that I once had an issue, a copy of Hulk 181. Oh, God. Uh, 
And my mom got rid of it because no. I used the word damn, and I got that from Wolverine on the last splash page. So thanks. Thanks, uh, Wayne, for no, oh, that's the so, worst. Yeah, that, that got me. Uh, well, that wouldn't have been any good condition. So I mean, it would have been a tattered, like very fine at best. Or, yeah, you know whatever the bottom is at this point. That's still like uh, one of those things that you just want to own. Like I found a copy of X Men '94 at New York Comic Con, and it was forty dollars. It's in horrible condition, but it's like I own X Men '94 now. Like I yeah, feel good I've, about. Yeah, I've got a bunch. Of, I've got a bunch, of, or not a bunch, but I've got a, a few copies. Of like X Men, I've got an, a, a copy of X Men One Hundred and One, but it's uh, been drawn on and and just rotten. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. You know, like I would get laughed at if I were, hey, you want to buy this? But, uh, <laughs> I've got it, so yeah, that I know the feeling. So anyway, um, right around seventh, eighth grade, um, that was when I I got into the idea of oh, you know, if I put these in in nice plastic bags and cardboard backs and put a little tape on them these things stay in good condition and uh and that was when i started following certain books and the two books at the time that i know for a fact that i was following was claremont and burns x-men and marv wolfman and george perez's new teen titans wow yeah so uh so that crossover must have been a big deal <laughs> also huge wasn't it yeah, wasn't yeah. It? and here's the thing too like you look today uh at uh the comic scene and, I mean, if you throw a cat in the air, it's going to land on three comic books that have a Wolverine guest spot in them. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, back in the day, like, I remember when, uh, first of all, uh, yeah, you remember Marvel Team Up and Marvel 2-in-1? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One issue of that. One. He was never in Marvel 2-in-1. He was in one issue of Marvel Team Up. And, it, like, it never happened. They never had X-Men crossovers back then. When he finally had his first, when Wolverine had his first miniseries like that to me was like holy cow this is awesome this is my favorite character yeah it's finally a book about him this is 1982 uh you know 20 21 years later oh 31 years later holy crap my math is rotten oh, no. uh, <laughs> 31 years later like i said uh you know if something opens if there's a new book odds of good wolverine might be guest starring in the first issue of it yeah so uh, you know that's I, I don't know if that was a business thing or like i mean obviously it's a business thing Everybody realizes Wolverine's one of the most popular characters. Uh, let's pick up Wolverine books. But like back in the day, I wonder like what was the the I, I guess the the event that said that finally got guys going. Oh, let's put let's put some more Wolverine out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's weird because I have the um, the omnibus, like the giant omnibus of like Giant Size X Men number one all the way through. I think Uncanny one thirty or so, that big hardcover, and they print the yeah. original letters in the back of. Of, a, of every issue and there are fans writing in being like we hate Wolverine get him off the team he's so ah! mean and it's like I guess at some point fans came around so yeah man yeah. it's funny too because I remember reading an interview with John Byrne and he was like uh, when he got on the book he wanted to like make uh, Nightcrawler the big focus but Dave Cochran before him had sort of made him his favorite character so he said something to the effect of well I couldn't have Nightcrawler so I made Wolverine and then Wolverine uh, played a lot into yeah. uh, you know his run and um, oh yeah yeah John, so, huh. John Byrne did a lot of great things with Wolverine I mean Alpha Flight was John Byrne well and, he had the break he had that breakout issue in the Dark Phoenix, Phoenix saga, saga with him and the sewers fighting the Hellfire Guards yeah like yeah. that really yeah. makes a lot of sense yeah yeah so yeah and, and, and that that was the stuff that I was picking up and just eating and eating two or three handfuls of a day man I love that stuff that whole like. I remember um, uh, 
the issue where Dazzler was uh, introduced in 130. Oh, yeah. And I got that, and, or I traded it with a friend of mine for uh, DC Comics Presents 27, the, the first appearance of the Teen Titans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I got, there's a there's a good story in that where I got the copy taken away by uh, Sister Mary because I was reading it in class. And, uh, yeah, that sucked. Oh, man. <laughs> You have a long history of women taking comics from you. I, I just made the trade uh, and then got the book taken away from me, so I got nothing out of that. I wrote a story for a web, uh, uh, some website about comic books maybe a year or two ago, and some fan bought me DC Comics number 27 and X-Men 130, like mint condition. Oh, that's amazing. Like the story about how I lost Hulk 181 and see what happens. There we go. There we go. We're going to uh, we'll put the call out to our fans. Yep. Yeah. Those of you with disposable income, come on, help a guy out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Are you still? Um, are you reading any Marvel comics like nowadays in the year 2013? Absolutely, man. I um, I, I'm still a big comics guy. I've got a lot of friends at Marvel now who help sort of. Uh, facilitate my addiction to Marvel Comics. <laughs> Great. Um, but because of the new Marvel Now stuff, like, when, you remember a couple of years ago when DC did the new 52? Yeah. I was a DC guy, but I decided, you know, here's a jumping on point, here's a jumping on point for everything. And so one of the one of the stores out here, I live in California, one of the stores out near me was doing a deal where you could get all 52 issues of the first issue, or the all first issues of all 52 books for hundred bucks, and I thought, okay, I'll give that a shot. Yeah, you yeah. know that you know it's cheaper than cover price if you measured it out. And so I did that, and then I got a wild hair up my ass, and did the same thing for the next five issues off of eBay. Oh, yeah, I found like uh, all issue number twos for a hundred and five dollars sold. You know, and I, I <laughs> and um. You know, and they're, you know, obviously, you know, you know, some of those things got canceled after like issue eight. And yeah. Some of them are sort of staggering along and some of them are doing burning. Um, you know, I, I literally probably had like two or three I wanted to, like if I felt like spending the money, I would still pick up, um, you know, maybe like Deathstroke or Batgirl or uh, the Catwoman, Catwoman series. Like there were a couple of things. Obviously, Justice League was a big one yeah. just because uh, Jeff Johns was staying with it and and Jim Lee was drawing it for the first year. So, um, but yeah, like when that happened, I was like, oh, I'll give that a shot. Well, you know, fast forward to now, that's sort of what Marvel's doing, except they're not doing it with everything at once. Yeah. Uh, so I bought pretty much every Marvel Now issue just to see where everybody's going. To me, um, the idea of creators on new characters, uh, some new, uh, I guess, characterizations some new some new ways to play the characters like that to me is very appealing and so i've oh, been yeah. picking up things um obviously my, my top two right now uh and this might be the case for a lot of people is all new x-men with ben distra uh, writing and then superior spider-man with dan slot writing oh like yeah those to yeah. me are game changers for yeah them. yeah and uh, you know i'm just so interested to see where they go the opening concept to I mean I'm, I'm just astonished with the idea like the the chutzpah if you will <laughs> to writers uh, taking these characters and sort of tipping them completely on their side and I, and I can't wait to see where they go from there so and there's a lot of stuff I like too like Indestructible Hulk the idea of Hulk becoming an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. that's appealing to me and they've got a lot of the great artists 
in tow as well. So that's a major plus. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, it's it's really felt like a, a creative resurgence over there. And speaking of um, the book that we are we have read and are going to discuss today is a Marvel Now storyline, um, yeah. which uh, I think this is as good a time as any to jump into. Yeah, I tried, I tried to bring it. I tried to uh, I tried to set you up with the underhand pitch. I liked it. <laughs> well, so well done. Yeah, I liked it. Future as a trio here. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm uh, 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 Kirk. Uh, ah, I blew I blew my own reference uh, from the Dodgers. <laughs> Rounded first. Yeah, there we go. go ahead. Ah, we'll get it later. Yeah, we'll we'll get it in post. We'll get it in yeah, post. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we we read uh, Thor: God of Thunder issues one through five by Jason Aaron and is it Assad Assad Rib- Assad Ribic Assad Ribic the yeah. God Butcher story arc which is kind of like uh, it's kind of like if you go and watch truck in the background <laughs> it's like kind of like if you go and watch like Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring expecting it to be a whole movie and then at the end of it you're like wait a second there's still yeah. more like I this absolutely is absolutely was thinking about that as I read that and I was going to use. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah. That reference. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, this is the end of the movie. Oh, hey! Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the first five issues, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be collected in a trade paperback. It's the first story arc, but it, it's no, the story's not over. If anything, it's going to be taking a breather with issue six as we get into the origin of the bot, the bod gutcher, the, the god butcher. the god butcher <laughs> gore. Um, but have you been reading, have you been reading Thor God of Thunder? I did. I, like I said, I, I'd been picking up all the, the Marvel stuff. And, and one of the reasons that I picked this up is because of Asad Ribic. Uh, I'm a big fan of his work. Uh, I think he's, you know, he stands out. He's one of those artists that you can open up the page and you know immediately who it is. Oh, yeah. Um, you he's know, a very distinct style. Uh, you know, when he's, when he's paired with a great colorist, and uh, Dean White is the colorist on this one, uh, it, it just stands out. It looks so great. It looks, uh, you know, like painted art. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, just, it's good. It's, it's good stuff. And it really fits, I think, the character and the tone, and, and uh, there's some good stuff in there. Yeah. And and I think that um, Lord of the Rings is is an apt uh, comparison as well because there is this this feels epic. Yeah. And it's it's definitely the writing and the way that Jason Aaron handles it. But a lot of that is uh, Asad Ribic's art, the way that the the scope in which he draws this entire arc, yeah. and just the the weight that he gives to. Every new creation that we see in this book makes it feel like high fantasy. Yeah. It definitely feels very, like, 1970s, like, spray-painting on the side of a van style. <laughs> oh, yeah, something yeah. on, like, a, the, the cover of an Asia album. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, and I think that's, that's part of the, the appeal of Thor is that you're, gonna, you're, you're not dealing with cops and robbers. Uh, you know, you're, you're outside the box in terms of Earth and its minions. Uh, you know, you're dealing with, with uh, you know, the far-flung stars and, and all worlds in between. And so, um, you know, the, the, creation, the creations that he's got there, you know, Gore and Shadrach and those characters, uh, you know, that's completely out of the box in terms of, of, of an artist's creation and the, and the writer's creation. Yeah, and I mean, I haven't read much Thor other than this. I mean, like you said, with Marvel now, I'm pretty much giving everything a shot, and the, right. sad, the sad thing is it's, it's all been great. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Sad for your wallet. Yeah, that's, that's the, the crappy thing. Um, but, like, with this, 
We're not only are we seeing, like, Earth and Asgard, we're also seeing the gods of alien worlds, as well as the past, and it's just, it's yeah. all over the place. Yeah. yeah I, 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 uh, it, it's definitely heavy lifting. It's definitely yeah. heavy lifting. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, uh, it's the good thing about having an iPad and the fact that Marvel puts their codes in all the books that are three ninety nine. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, it's made it very easy to go back and reread. And uh, for something like this weighty, it definitely needs to be reread to get to. Because I mean, it's, it would be very easy to put this book down one month and the next month pick up the new issue and not remember exactly where he was going. And, yeah. Uh, that's that's why I love having the iPad now and getting these these uh, digital copies. Uh, a because I can keep my physical copies in mint condition. <laughs> mint on card. Read everything. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the digital I just love so much, especially for the portability aspect of it. I mean, living in New York City and being able to take, uh, you know, several issues of a book onto the subway with me without having to worry about, like, okay, well, now I will gently slide this back into the bag and board. On this crowded subway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now Uh, you just have to worry about getting mugged. Right, (laughs) right, right. (laughs) And then everything's stolen. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a separate concern though. Yeah. So like the story of of uh, the God Butcher is it starts off with Thor. Uh, we're seeing Thor in the past. We're seeing young Thor who is all about the ladies, all about the mead, all about oh, yeah. the fighting. He's a pretty awesome character. Which is which is must be what the life of a professional wrestler is like, right? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they don't mead anywhere anymore, and I've tried. Ah, unacceptable. <laughs> Because I'm up in the hundreds of years with my age as well, I do remember back in the day when I would grapple with young, uh, young frost giants and drink a bottle of mead afterwards. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You there? Are, there are many songs sung in many halls of the fallen angel. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> so we're we're hanging out with Thor uh, after like a big like after a big battle and everyone's chilling and they get basically what washes ashore is the the decapitated head of a Native American of a Native American god. Yeah. Right. Uh, and. From then, we cut to the present day where Thor is answering the prayers of a little alien girl in another world that needs water. He goes and answers her prayers, and then he hangs out with them for a little while and discovers that all their gods, they don't have any gods. Which I really like that beat, too. I thought it was was really clever, because I don't recall anyone ever actually addressing... Thor in that sense of, like, someone actually praying to Thor and him coming. Yeah. Especially on a distant world. Yeah, definitely, man. I, I, you know, I grew up Catholic, and so to me, when you say God, there's only ever been the one. Like, yeah. if they wasn't yeah. like, oh, well, I need water today, so I, oh, God of rain, where is it? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, like, that to me, like, I don't think it's ever been done in any of the comics where someone actually prayed to Thor in the way that a Catholic would pray to God or, uh, you know, someone would pray to Allah or anybody like that. Yeah. So that, that to me, it, it stood out, and it definitely... It made you. It made me think too. Like, how wow, how many, how often, uh, how often does this happen for Thor? Yeah, you know, this. You know, we we sort of keep him tethered to Earth a lot of times, and like, who knows how often this sort of thing happens with him? Where all of a sudden he's got to fly to Orange Planet. Yeah, yeah. They need thunder. You know what I mean? So That's, yeah, that yeah. was definitely something that stood out for me as different, and it sort of gave him a. a it's a, a facet of his character that you wouldn't get with uh, 
you know, taskmaster. Oh example. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we, so he goes and finds their, basically their heaven where all their gods are and just finds them all like in a locked room, just dead, just like gross, crazy, gory. Yeah. Not just dead, dead. murdered, like yeah. clearly murdered. And Assad Ribic's art and depicting, like Matt said, the scope, when we get to that page where all the gods have been put on hooks. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just so yeah. huge. Um, and then at the very end of the first issue, we're introduced to old King Thor, uh, who's like a couple thousand years in the future, and he himself is now fighting Gore, the God Butcher's uh, minions, his like right. mindless beasts. So we're now introduced to three Thors for the price of one. We, well, I, I think like two and a half Thors, because Thor in the future <laughs> is missing an arm and an eye. Yeah, he's... <laughs> He's been through yeah, he's a lot. He's basically following in his dad's footsteps, at least the odd part of it. Oh, yeah. totally. And then, so. spoiler alert, in the fifth issue, he, he when middle-aged Thor meets old Thor, he's like, hey, dad. So oh, he like, yeah. Yeah. Right, he, right, right. He totally, dad, dummy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you call him, like a beardless whelp or something yeah, like yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Aaron's writing in this. I wish I had taken notes, because there's so many... Um, turns a phrase in these five issues that are epic in scope. Like, yeah. his writing is amazing in this. Yeah, I, and you know, this is this is not a knock on the past few years of Thor writers, because I love Matt Fraction, and I thought JMS did good stuff before him, but this, but those books felt like just fantasy books that happened to be dealing with uh, characters that were gods. And this feels like we're actually, like, already in the first issue... It feels like we're actually dealing with with gods. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's something that I think just recently happened in, in, in Thor, especially with the lettering, where they would letter him differently, like he was he like he was speaking in old English, and everyone else was just speaking regular old English. Right. Words. Yeah. Um, you know, but that definitely that's another thing in this that stands out with all of the the lettering with just Thor and the gods, and even his thoughts. Uh, are all, uh, you know, in the the proper writing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and then we get into issue two. I mean, there it's kind of like there is a lot of plot, but there almost isn't in a way. Like, young Thor, I guess because we're dealing with three Thors, <laughs> yeah. it, it feels like a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's not the either. That's the tough part. It, it didn't get tough for me until, like, issue four and five. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. stuff would be jumping around, and there's the scene the scenes at the end of five that really were like, whoa, whoa, whoa what's happening? What's happening? And yeah. I definitely had to go back and sort of get a, a grasp on each uh, timeline as it was happening. So I could understand where it was all going, but yeah. Yeah. Like the more that, the more that Gore shows up across all three stories, the, the, the harder it, the not, well, yeah, it, it became a little tougher. Yeah. 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 To keep track of. Yeah, I do. Also, I also like every now and then. Uh, Jason Aaron would, I'm like on one page, like I'm holding up, I'm holding issue four right now, and on just one page, it is, it's like, uh, it is future Thor smashing down his hammer and making a big lightning boom, and then the third, the second panel is past Thor getting engulfed in Gore's like black tendrils of darkness, and the third panel on that page is present Thor reading a burning scroll. Like, right, he would right, do right. these things where, like, on one page, you would just, like, for a split second, just check in with all three. Yeah. And right. then keep going. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and Jason Aaron, too, has just... 
I don't know, man. He has continued to impress me with every single book that he writes because he knows how to create a distinct tone for every single one of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Christopher, have you ever read Scalped? No, but I know I know of it. I, I have friends that have always uh, uh, sort of suggested it to me, and I've never had the opportunity to pick it up. Um, it, I, my my experience with Vertigo was very minor. Oh, uh, sure. Just a couple of a couple of things that I picked up in the past, but uh, yeah, that was one that sort of passed by me. But I, yeah, definitely, that's been something that that has been suggested as something to go pick up when oh, I yeah. could. Yeah, and, and it's it's fascinating. Well, not fascinating, but. Y- you know, you feel like you're watching someone that's either at the height of their game or starting to reach it when, you know, you have a, he, he writes a book like Scalped, which is very down to earth and dark and gritty. And then he also writes Wolverine and the X-Men that is like this. The funniest book at Marvel, basically. Almost. Yeah. Right, right. And then and then he is also in the same month releasing Thor, God of Thunder, with like this this high fantasy and these very distinct character voices in them. Yeah. I do. Yeah, wanna... it's, it's, it's definitely a lot of, of, of writing juggling happening with Jason Aaron, but I mean, um, you know, it's like you said, such a wide variety. It's coming out of the, the same guy. Uh, he's definitely got a handle on his talent. Oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. It's that beard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the longer it gets, the more talented he gets. Yeah, it's like I can't bite on ball. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> he's like Beard Samson. Um, one thing I noticed about this book is it's very uh, caption heavy, which we don't really see a lot of that in modern day comics. Like a lot of people now either use comics as just for like uh, at the moment internal monologue or not at all. Whereas there are times in this, like in issue three, is it three? In issue two, when Past Thor is fighting, is meeting Gore for the first time, and they're fighting, and while they're fighting in Thor's head, he is telling this tale. Of how of like how he met the very first like killer of gods that his father had fought and imprisoned and Thor as a child like yeah it's just this crazy long epic it's almost like it's almost like a biblical tale like that's what it kind of feels like yeah like the spider in the cave yeah or the spider in the hole yeah and it's being told while Thor is wow, fighting cool. Gore it's really interesting how he layers those stories like that yeah yeah I like. Uh... I like, too, that we're experiencing a Thor in the past. I don't know. Arrogant Thor is is a fun character to watch just because modern-day Thor is, is so stoic and has, like, a handle on himself. Yeah. You know, to, like, see Thor before he even had the hammer. Yeah. I mean, he still has his axe. He's not worthy. He tries to lift it at one point. Yeah, and he, he still can't even lift it. Um, it's... Uh, it's it's a fun character, and uh, and in issue two, he he fights Gore for the first time, and as they're in the skies over what would become Russia, yeah. there's that great moment as Gore's about to kill him, and just that extra moment of arrogance at asking Thor what he was the god of, and then Thor just whispering thunder. Yeah. And then the next page is that three quarters panel, uh, three quarters page panel of just lightning bisecting them both. But uh, yeah, is there a more badass Thor moment than that? <laughs> That's a pretty badass moment. Yeah. Were you a big yeah, Were you a big Thor fan at all? Like, what's your Thor history? If you want to get into that, um, it, it depends. Like, I I think the biggest I ever got into it was when Walt Simonson was doing the entire thing. 
Yeah. yeah. And uh, and that that had a lot to do with Beta Ray Bill and the idea of Thor not being Thor for a while. Like that was uh, to me the appeal of be- that beginning of that run. And then you know I, I stuck with it out of sheer tenacity and uh, you know I don't quit on stuff in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that that's probably the most Thor I ever read. You know, and, and I'm I'm always. Uh, especially in the last couple of years with Bendis' Avengers, you know, Thor's interaction with that and the way that certain writers write him, um, you know, as just part of... Uh, sometimes he's, it's almost like he's background uh, when he's in these team books because, you know, you've got so many of the ensemble yeah. characters, it's hard to focus on him for any amount of time. Sure. And, uh, you know, so, so that's really the extent of my Thor. And then this... Um, you know, there's so many different things in this, like like going back to the idea of the of the people praying to him, and um, you know, like you said too, young Thor before he can even pick up the hammer, like that part of his life, which to us we don't even, I don't think anyone even fathoms that sometimes. Yeah. But I mean, there's even certain here where he talks about how he's been alive so long that he's forgotten just about everything. Yeah. That's the name of he he can't remember the the, the face of the first galley bang. Yeah, the first guy that he killed, but he remembers Gore and the cave, and yeah. when he was, uh, you know, stuck in there for seventeen days. That's such an interesting aspect of the character. That I remember when I read that. I think I, I think I was on a flight when I read that issue, and I just spent right. so much time on the flight thinking about that. Like from right. Thor's point of view, how much does he really care about the Avengers? Like for us, yeah. Thor and the Avengers are like so interlocked. But to right. Thor, the Avengers might just be this little blip on his radar. Like, he loves them now, but old King Thor, does he, does old King Thor even remember the Avengers? That's crazy to think about. Right, that'll be, that'll be a question for, like, our great-great-grandchildren when they're reading Thor 1000. Yeah. Like, yeah. None of the other characters are still alive at this point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Captain America the third. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you remember playing with my granddad? Not really. <laughs> Not, no. Wait. Yeah, exactly. He was, so, yeah, uh, he looked it's, like it's you. something that we don't think about as the comic readers, because even, you know, uh, Spider-Man in, in, is in his, what, the 60th anniversary now? Is that, was that Yeah, he's like, they're all, like, all the Marvel characters are, like, hitting their 50th, and they're, like, yeah. like Captain oh, America, right. yeah, which is but, crazy. I mean, and, and they've been the same, th- or not the same, but you know what I mean, like, they've been that age throughout, and so we never get a mentality of their mortality or them getting older, and then... One step further, someone like Thor, who's immortal, where he was alive thousands of years before and will live thousands of years after. And like you said, yeah, uh, you know, the entire run that we've ever read is probably like a weekend to him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um, and even going back uh, to an earlier point you made about how Wolverine now shows up everywhere in issue three. We get an Iron Man cameo. Yes. Um, and so it's kind of like the same thing. Like, Iron Man is, ever since the Robert Downey Jr. movies and him becoming an A-list Marvel character, uh, right. we get Iron Man all over the place. Did you Did you like his little cameo in number three? I did, I did because I, I it, it, to me, it gave Thor sort of that tether to the, the real, what I said, and I'm using hand quotes now, yeah. the real world, <laughs> for the Avengers world, what we're so used to. You know what I mean? I I like, and, and I don't know how the guys at Marvel do it because there are uh, so many different books and so many different arcs, and you know, there's Avengers and New Avengers and Thor's in both of those, and Thor's yeah, Avengers uh, Assemble, Secret uh, Avengers, like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, it, it's a it's a lot of it's a lot of traffic, 
And, uh, you know, it just reminds, to me, it reminds the world that, hey, uh, you know, Thor is Thor, but he's also part of this team, and these guys are, are basically best friends. And so, yeah, I was cool with that. I mean, and it, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, uh, uh, it wasn't gratuitous like, or anything. It wasn't, no. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't Iron Man for the sake of Iron Man. It made yeah. sense to me. Now, if Iron Man was on the cover and it was like, guest starring Iron Man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then maybe that would be a little much. It's not appear in the middle of this comic book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I do like Thor. Actually, what does he say? He says uh, when he when he like it's present. Thor is basically going to the cave where he confronted Gore as a young person, and he, Iron Man's like, "Well, I'm going to go with you." And Thor's like, "No, you're not." Yeah. And the Iron Man, and then he's but then he kind of comes around and says, "You are as much a god as any mortal I have ever known, Tony Stark. Please, I could use your help." It was like, "Oh, it's they're friends." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're bros. Well, and, and, you know, it's funny that these characters like Iron Man and Captain America, who have seen just about anything, sometimes they get reminded that there are things outside of their wheelhouse. Yeah. And that was one of those things, like, he keeps saying, you're right, it's God business. I got more things to deal with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll be on the moon if you need me, Thor. Oh, yeah, that was a really funny line. <laughs> We do get that, I mean, speaking of a cyberbix art, I have to bring up in issue three, about the halfway point, Thor has gone to the, like, god library and gotten a yeah. list, list of missing gods. Love the librarian, yeah. by the way. Right. Great and he, character. He tracks down, uh, what's his name, Falagar the Behemoth, a patron god of the galactic frontier. I last saw him barely a hundred years ago. We passed one another in the spaceways and waved. And it's this right. amazing double-page spread where you see this giant... Kind of like Falcor from Never Ending Story meets a dinosaur yeah. character that's just like hunched over like a mountain. I think I read this digitally and I must have been zoomed in because I thought it was a mountain. Then I like turned my iPad over and it was like, oh no, that's a huge god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that scope is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the type of stuff that just, I don't know, it adds so much more weight to the script when you see something like that. If that was just a, a small panel... Oh yeah, right. with that character, it doesn't it doesn't have as much sadness to it. Yeah, and you know, again, this this feels like a really good team, and this is part of the excitement. I mean, for me at least, for uh, of this Marvel Now initiative is seeing people like this get uh, tossed together and mixed up, and seeing what they're yeah. creating like this. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask a question now that we just about your comic book reading experience in general because you have been reading them for a while and I mean you were talking about those old Claremont and Byrne issues. Uh, comparing that to this, um, like we have five issues and we don't even really get a whole story. Yeah. Do you? How do you? Do you like that more than like in the Claremont and Byrne days where you kind of get a beginning, middle? You get a lot more story back in the older days than you do now. Like, what's your preference or your take on? Um. That? Uh, it depends. It, you, you have to take it case by case, man. I, yeah. I think, like, and I, uh, you know, after I read this and I knew I was coming on the podcast, I, I sort of wanted to get, uh, like, a general consensus of, of other people. And so I went on, like, a message board. And I saw a lot of people that did say, like, oh, you know, this is a great, this is a great arc, yay arc. And then a lot of people were like, well, we're not even in the, we're not even to the point where we're near an end, this is going on too slow. Like, I, I, I sort of got both sides of that, yeah. and I see that. Like, and like you said, like, we thought, you know, part one of five, part two of five. Well, here comes number five, here's the end. <laughs> hey! <laughs> hey! But, um, 
you know, I mean, like, I, I do want to see where this goes. And oh, yeah. I, I was sort of confused at the end. Um, like, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what Gore's end game is with the heart of that uh, elder god. And yeah. Like, what's he gonna do with that? Like, what does that even? You know, like, like, no one's really even said what that has or what that does. Yeah. Like the fact that he killed what was conceivably the first god or yeah. the first god. Like, what does that do? Like, yeah. what did that do? Yeah, that's one thing I was wondering, is like, is that a, is that an Elder God from another faraway universe? Because if you're taking the heart or the whatever from that God, wouldn't that then destroy the entire universe? It's a lot of yeah. questions. But I also want to... There's a question, too, that yeah. one of those message boards brought up. The fact that Gore has killed all these gods. In the past, they, uh, and I can't remember where, but it was basically inferred that gods were lived and died by the belief of their followers. Yeah. So oh, these yeah. gods that are all dying, would they would they or would they not have come back to life like the like you were talking about um uh um, fall Yeah, or, yeah. Um and, and and you see it says all the mourners that were worshiping every day for him to basically kick out. Uh you know, why didn't he? Why wouldn't he if if those uh um, you know those rules. If yeah. those rules were established in an earlier story by an earlier writer, yeah. how are we getting around them now? And I guess that's part of the game of you know different writers taking on different stories yeah. is uh, you know sort of remembering what's been laid out before and either uh, changing it, ignoring it, wholesale, whatever. Yeah. You know? But I mean that that to me too had a lot of. Uh, there was a question there, like, well, what is happening to all of these gods that are dying? Um, and is this the end for them just because Gore has, uh, you know, taken, I guess, the difference between the flesh and blood part of Thor and the God part of Thor? Are those one and the same? Are they interchangeable? Where do you, where do you go from there? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's an interesting too, thing, too. Like, even on the flip side of that, you look at, like... When the gods die, like how, like how else does that affect the people that worship? Right. You know, you have that alien planet where the girl, where where the girl was praying to, for Thor to come bring water, uh, and Thor afterwards is like just hanging out, just chilling out with uh, one of the elder gods, and he's like, "Oh yeah, all that stuff you were saying about all that stuff you come from—that's really funny. How fake it is." And Thor almost was like, "I would normally kill you." Yeah, for joking right, right. with me, for joking with me like that. But I guess yeah. like yeah, they become these very just, I guess like logical, science-driven, non-god uh, worshipping uh, societies. Well, after that, well, also too, like you think of it like this, like uh, in, in that part of the story, like their gods have been dead for forever. Oh yeah, like, me as a Catholic or a former Catholic or whatever or anybody, like how would you know if God suddenly ceased to exist? Like what would you? Yeah. How would, what would change? Yeah, yeah. Would the sun continue to shine? You know, would the rain fall differently? Or all of a sudden, holy crap, there's blood flying. You know, there's blood <laughs> falling outside. What the fuck's yeah. going on? Yeah. So I, I mean, there's that, that mentality of how do you even know? Like, they just, they, they had all grown up, grown up on that earth where the, the little girl played for Thor. They had all grown up with no gods. No one was yeah. answering their prayers. Yeah, that is, a, it's just like, well, welcome, welcome to the world, everything sucks, here's your robe. 
And then with issues four or five, we start getting into some time travel territory because... Oh, yeah. The pace really picks up in these yeah, last two parts. Thor goes and he basically gets a lead on Gore that he's going to Cronux, the planet of time control or whatever. Right, right, um, right. So he the, gets in the TARDIS. Yeah. And he hits. <laughs> the DeLorean drives to the TARDIS. And yeah. It's a big pool of blood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, like, the last page of uh, number four is present Thor appearing before old King Thor. Uh, in this amazing, again, Assad Rabic badass one-page right. hero shot. Yeah. Um, and then issue five, we learn how present-day Thor found present-day Gore. Also doesn't help that their names rhyme when you're yeah. saying it out loud. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tracks down present-day Gore. They f- uh, After Gore has already got the heart from the Elder God. And what issue does this happen in? This is in five. Oh, I thought you were... <laughs> I was hoping for four. Oh, yeah, Thor, Thor and Gore. I don't think Thor and Gore are fighting Thor. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, it it's kind of like I want them to reprint this in chronological order. Yeah. I'm, like, obsessed oh, right, with, right. with people yeah. restructuring things chronologically. Um, so issue five is more of a... Issue five is more of a how did issue four happen than an issue in its own right. Like, it's more just kind of explaining how the magician did his trick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sort of. And then the thing that confused me a little bit was, um, you know, as as the, the Vikings find Thor in the cave, old Thor, or uh, early Thor, Yeah. as they find him and they basically free him and he, he starts to battle Gore, like, I wasn't really quite clear how Gore escaped. Like, for me, all of a sudden he just escaped. And yeah. this Gore here, right after he gets his arm chopped off, uh... You know, it's sort of inter, it's interchanging with present day Thor and present day Gore, yeah. <laughs> and Gore basically saying, "If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have the the my little minions, my little black dog yeah. minions. If it wasn't for you, and it, like I, I t- it took me a while to read that to sort of get. I guess the idea was that Gore in in seeing how slaves." Or minions sort of helped God. Yeah. It's sort of like he's becoming a god of his own uh, oh, because yeah. he made his own followers. He's becoming the thing that he hates in order yeah. to destroy it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and we even we even get a little bit of in the at the top of five as as Gore is preparing to travel back to the dawn of the universe. We we get a little bit of his own backstory, kind of. It's like, I was raised to believe that stars were the eyes of our ancestors. Uh, the damned suffered forever in the sun, so the more who died unworthy, we were told, the hotter our world would burn. It is crazy that Jason Aaron has all this mythology in his head that he's just creating. Yeah. Like, right. that's so imaginative. Yep. Um, I have no idea, like, if he's, what, he, what all, if he's, like, pulling from actual mythology, or if it's all just original for him. It's so crazy. Yeah, it's it, it's exciting too because you you have drip feed of information like that, and it feels like it feels like you're in the hands of a capable writer. Like he yeah. knows where he's going with this. This isn't. You but know, if he burns me, it's over. <laughs> but then I'm never reading you're anything. Jason, wherever you are, yeah, <laughs> you're on notice. You and your beard. <laughs> um, this is also kind of a Matt and Brett love comics first because we're reviewing a the newest five issues of a comic. Usually, we re-review things that and have at least like a year yeah. perspective. Like five is the newest issue that's come out, and what? the next issue teaser is next: the origin of Gore. Yeah. So like. 
Usually we already have all the answers and can go to Wikipedia. Now we're just like, what's happening? We're we're in it. Well, yeah, in, in it's it's interesting too because I like that. I also like that we chose this and it ended where it did because we have enough of a conclusion. We have it. We have an ending, like the end of an act, is what yeah, it feels yeah. like, right? Yeah. Like you were saying, Empire earlier, and I, I think taking a look at it with sort of the uncertainty of what is going to happen next and only the information in front of us. Uh, I think judging it on those merits, I think it succeeds. Yeah. Okay, here, what do you think Gore's origin is going to be? Oh, yeah, great let's, question. Let's, let's like, place some bets. <laughs> Christopher, what do you think? Well, it's funny. It seemed like it was sort of told. And, I, you know, the part where, like you said, where he's going yeah. to the beginning of time, um, you know, and it's all... It sounds like Gore came from a planet that was very that had a very high premium on faith, and he was the the atheist amongst the believers. Yeah, you know, because he was the one that he was the doubting Thomas. And so I wonder if, like, when he says, "Where were they this whole time at the beginning of five? Uh, where were they when we needed him?" I, you know, there's going to be there's going to come something where, uh, you know, basically, why did God let this happen to me? Uh, you know, whether it's his family or his, his race or his, you know, even oh, his yeah. planet, um, you know, it's going to be one of those things like he blames the God or the lack thereof for his woes and therefore all gods must pay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, I, whatever the specifics of that, you know, we sort of already got the, the broad strokes of it in let that little bit of the origin or that little bit of backstory the first time that you read his thoughts or his his thought uh, captions come up. Yeah. I think that's definitely true. Yeah. I think we're definitely... Jason Aaron is, is proven capable of these five issues of being an amazing smart writer. I think he's definitely going to make Gore somehow sympathetic. I, I feel like that's going to happen. Well, you'd have to. He's definitely going to be the kind of villain that you were talking about earlier, about the kind right. of people that influence your wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, like like everybody everybody has their their ups and their downs, and how you get out of it sort of, uh, you know, sort of decides you know what you decide to do with your pain and your success. Uh, it's sort of you know the measure of you as a man or a person or or you know or in his case a uh, a god butcher, a weird naked um, alien yeah. guy yeah, with, with a black tendrils and stuff like that. <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, I, you know, it's definitely I, I, like I said, you sort of see the broad strokes. I'm interested to see what Jason does to make. I, I don't know if he's going to make him specifically sympathetic, but definitely give him something other than just, oh well, you know what I'll do today? Kill all the guys. Yeah, yeah. I hate these. I'm bored. Oh yeah. man, there's nothing on my alien TV. I need oh, something to do. Apple. <laughs>
who basically lay down their lives just long enough for him to pick up his axe yeah. and stop Gore. Like, he sort of finally he understands the weight of being a god in the sense that, you know, these guys basically lay down their lives just because of their own faith. And then the other thing, the other theory, which I thought was really interesting, was the fact that um, uh, someone compared Gore to a rapist in the sense that mm. he kept penetrating people with his black tendrils. And I thought that was an interesting concept in the sense that he's this basically he's a serial rapist. Yeah. yeah. And Thor, for 17 days, basically was made his plaything. Oh, oh God. So, yeah. Uh, you know, is the hardship and the suffering that he went through like understanding what suffering is and what you know, because up at that point in the beginning, like you said, he was all about dames and yeah. beer. Yeah. And so does does being uh, you know sort of minimalized and treated like a, an object does that sort of make you worthy to understand like the scope of your being? Yeah. And so the, I thought those were great. Those were great theories, and I don't yeah. know if Jason's going to play on those or if those you know those two theories are just people speculating and they never come into play again. Well, well those, those are two really interesting ideas. Yeah, those are great. <laughs> you know, and the thing is, too, I, I would not be surprised if that uh, comes to be the case because when he first meets with Gore and Gore slices the head off of the um, winged horse that Thor is riding yeah. and Thor is falling, Gore says to him that that feeling that you felt just now of fear and uncertainty, that's what it's like to be mortal. Yeah, that is how it feels to be mortal. Yep. Right. Good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so what were your what were your final thoughts, Christopher? Um, I it, this is definitely something that that I want I want to see to the end, and I wonder also if Gore is if the end of this is just going to be uh, the the introduction of Gore, and that Gore is going to be a long term uh, you know villain in in the pantheon of, of yeah. Thor's villains. I'd like to or see that. This is going to get an end where there's actually going to be. Uh, a point where Gore basically is vanquished once and for all. Yeah. And it, it's weird sometimes, like, we make... Uh, we. We, like I'm the writer. Uh, <laughs> the writers make these grand villains, uh, and some of them are made to be beaten and vanquished quickly, and some of them are made to become the Red Skulls and the the, yeah. the Magnetos and the Lokis of the, uh, of, of the sect. And uh, is you know it'll be interesting to see if, if Jason makes Gore like the latest victim or the next big uh, yeah. rogue out of the gallery, so to speak. We could use ones. We haven't had one in a while. Yeah, it's. I, I hope that they do because, like I said, there's been some good stuff going on with Thor in the last couple of years, but a lot of it has been sort of rehashing. Um, you know, Armageddon and the fall of Asgard, and yeah. you know, Suter and. And a lot of, just a lot of concepts that we've already come across. Not like they weren't entertaining stories, but we haven't had, like, a big, fresh idea like this well, yeah, in a while. Well, the truth, too, is, like, like with, the, with the emergence of Loki as a younger character now, out of, like, Journey into Mystery and now into Young Avengers, yeah. does Thor have, really, that arch nemesis in the same way that Red Skull is to Captain America uh, or Dr. Octopus to Spider-Man? Does he have that... Uh, Arch Nemesis, and does Gore become that? So Ooh. there's that to think about. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I like that a lot. Okay, so I guess we're all we're all sticking with this. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I'm, definitely, <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely in for the haul on this. Um, 
you know, monetarily speaking, if I stick with all of it, uh, I may be broke or I may be, uh, you know, borrowing money from my friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have your phone number, so I'll be calling you. Great. Asking for uh, free books and, and comicsology codes and stuff. Yeah. Yep. All right. We're going to uh, click on click on the link to help Christopher Daniels on the side of the site. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd love to do this uh, another time. Um you know, if, if, if you'll have me and I, if I can read uh, something heavier than this, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, we'll do some Claremont X-Men. So just like yeah. straight up. That yeah. is some dense stuff. That's awesome. Well, uh, is there anything that you would like to specifically plug? Um, all right. Well, uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at FAC Daniels. FAC stands for Fallen Angel Christopher. You'd be surprised how many people don't know that. Huh. Um my website is uh, fallenangelchristopherdaniels.com, the longest URL in wrestling history. <laughs> uh, I'm on television every week for Impact Wrestling, Thursdays, Spike TV, 8 o'clock. And uh, this March 10th, uh, our big pay view lockdown. I will be wrestling for the World Tag Team Championships with my male, Boo, Frankie, the physical fascination Kazarian. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much everything. Buy my shirts. I got shirts for sale. You can buy the World Tag Team Champions of the World t-shirts at the website. Come on, guys. Uh, buy his shirts. Jeez. Buy my shirts, folks. The more you buy, the more books I can buy, and the more I can come back and do this delightful podcast. Yeah. See, everybody yeah. wins, you guys. Everybody wins. It, it, it all comes around, folks. It all comes around. <laughs> it's cyclical in nature. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I... Sold everything. Yep. We, we wrapped it up in a nice bow. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, we want to thank our guest, the fallen angel Christopher Daniels, today for being here with us. Um, As always, you can go to our website, Matt and Brett Love Comics, where you can check out our social media pages and follow us there. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook, which we love talking to our fans on Facebook, so please do that. Yeah. Uh, and while you're on the site, you can check out some of our back issues, such as. Uh, the two of us speaking with Kelly Sue DeConnick about Planetary Issues yeah. 1 through 6. Or the two of us talking to Chris Roberson about iZombie from DC Vertigo. Uh, and so many more. Uh, so dive in, check them out. They're all free and they're all evergreen. Uh, if you like what you heard about Thor God of Thunder, you can click on the site. We will have links to purchase those on Comixology or on Amazon. If you click through to the Amazon link, that kicks a little bit of money back to us at no cost to you. And also, if you want to rate and review the show on iTunes, it really helps us out. So please do that. As always, thank you to our producer, Mr. Ben Rahib. And until next time... This is Matt. <laughs> this is Brett. And we love comics. And you now have permission to worship the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels.